Welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Chuck Basie is in, former state legislator here in the state of Missouri. Also, Dale Roberts, MoGunLaw.com. We had gotten a question about uh, uh, subsonic 22 ammo uh, being lead and then uh, supersonic, this copper coating, and uh, we needed to get an answer. So because uh, because Garson is off doing his uh, spandex modeling uh, gig, we, we called Larry Wayland from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, Larry. Uh, do you have any understanding of why these uh, rounds are s- copper and lead? Uh, um, you know, I, I have I have limited knowledge on this, so I apologize for that. And, and there, there'll be somebody pulling their hair out at home because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna dust this up. But as I understand it, the uh, the softer uh, lead bullet, non-jacketed, engages the rifling better at those velocities because it's it's not going out as fast. Um, so it gets a, a more stable uh, projectile downrange because it stabilizes the bullet better and gets a better twist on it, as I understand it. So, like I say, there's somebody at home pulling their hair out that knows a lot more about it than I do, but that's, that's, my, that's my neophyte understanding. Okay. Uh, any sales going on? Oh, you know, we always got always got good deals over at Modern Arms. So, uh, yeah, bring, bring Gwen over and, you know, boatload of cash, and we'll sell you a bunch of stuff. <laughs> How nice. Yeah, generous of you. Uh, well, Garson will send you a thank you note for showing up and answering on his behalf. Well, no worries. I'm always happy to help him out. Larry, All right. Larry, do you have any cats? Oh, no, no. Okay. We, we eliminated those asked. years ago. Since Gwen was going to come over, I thought maybe. You, you, no, no. Yeah. No, no, no cats here, man. <laughs> Sorry, Gary. Cherie Reich would really be good in that position. <laughs> I'm just you guys saying. Have a great day. Larry, thank you. Glad to have you in Gary and Cuns. Uh, let me go to Mike on the lead bullets. Mike, good morning. Yeah, the uh, copper plating uh, is normally put on ammo that runs over 1,000 feet per second to keep it from leading the barrel. And so the subsonic is below 1,000 feet per second. Most okay. generally. All right. And on the uh, westerns, Purgatory is a very good western, and so is Monty Walsh. Purgatory and Monty Walsh. I'll have to refresh, refresh, refresh the question. They pay me because I enunciate so clearly. I'll have to refresh the question for listeners. Mike, thank you. Yep. All right, and, and explain his answer. There was a list of the top 25 Western movies. And, of course, as we know, in the Western movies, you were allowed to carry a gun. They open-carried six guns, and they had rifles in their saddles. And, well, we asked what your favorite Western is or was. And we've gotten some fun answers. And if you have a Western that is your favorite, you can call us at 800-529-5572 or go to GaryNolan.com. Send me a message. It'll pop up here in studio. Now, because Garson is not here, uh, we don't have show and tell. We have to come up with our own show and tell. Well, forced to do that. I'm going to ask you guys to tell me what the, the gun you are most jonesing for that you don't have. The one you most want but don't have in your arsenal. Dale? 
Wow. Um, <clears throat> that's difficult. Well, that was very good. Let me yeah, go on. I'm sorry. I, I, a, I mean, I have a nice assortment. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. Chuck, <laughs> fill me out. Well, um, I've, I've always wanted to have this Smith & Wesson 44 Magnum and... Um, uh, Garson had one in here in the studio a couple of months ago, and uh, but it's just I, I just una unable to afford it at this particular time. But that is one that I would really, really like to have. I'll call your wife and let, see if she'll loan you a couple of bucks to go oh, out and no. buy that. She's probably listening. Yeah, and, and, and you I know her her birth. She, maybe she wants one for her birthday this coming Friday. Maybe. Oh, that's a great excuse. Uh, uh, reason she'd to love to have that. <laughs> yeah, she would too. Probably Jonesing for that. Yeah, I guess you know the the one gun I've looked at that I couldn't get a hold of is the Colt. Uh, they may call it the Delta, but it's a nineteen eleven in ten millimeter. Um, that you know I've looked at. I haven't shot one. I'd like to have one. Uh, that's that's the only one that comes to mind offhand. You know, my tastes are are probably pretty pedestrian, but. What I would love to have is a fully automatic AR-15, and I don't care who makes it. Yeah, um, I'm a you know I'm a I'm a fan of uh, CMMG. I love their rifle. I just want a fully automatic rifle. But the cost on getting one now, I mean, it's bad enough you have to get that license, but you know, for civilians, it's virtually impossible. And and they go up. There was a time when I thought I would like to buy one, and I, you know, I was tracking them and saving money, and then I'd look, and you know, they appreciate faster than I could save money. <laughs> and I, I talked to a guy who's an H and K dealer in Missouri, who said, you know, I have like an H and K MP5, I think it's the K model, the small subgun, and he said it's new in the box in my vault. And I'll have somebody purchase it and then ask me to hold it, st basically store it for them. And then two or three years later, they'll sell it and somebody else will buy it. And he said, it's never left by shop. People buy it, wait a couple of years, take a big gain off of it, and it sells again. That's, yeah, that's a, that's a really good investment. It'd be hard for me to have that and not shoot it. Oh, yeah. That, you know what? And it's the most uneconomical. It doesn't make. I would. It, it would just be fun to shoot. But after you finally got enough money together to buy the damn thing, you probably couldn't afford the ammo, which you would burn through in a matter of seconds. Well, and I'm not sure if you've seen this, but you you know the folks at CMMG. They used to have. I haven't checked lately. An annual event where you could go out to their range. Yeah, and they would have full auto guns. And you just paid for the ammunition. You know, it, it was, I think, I paid $50 for a belt of ammunition so that I could shoot a belt-fed M60. I went, uh, I went out when they were uh, developing their uh, MK model and got to shoot full auto uh, AK-47 and uh, their MK and a whole host of other firearms. And it was, it was just so much fun. And fortunately, they covered the cost of everything, including the ammunition, 
Otherwise, I'd have been brokered in the Ten Commandments. But I was having fun. Let me go to the phones on movies, 800-529-5572. Your best Western movie. Rick is first. Rick, what is it? Unforgiven, Open Range, Wild Bunch. They're tied. Oh, those are all great examples. All right. Rick, thank you. Glad to have you on, Gary, on Guns. Kevin, best Western. Hey, good, good to bad and ugly, including the best cowboy music. And uh, then uh, Outlaw Josie Wales because the Missouri Boat Ride. And the guns I would love to have, they had on Gun Broker a pair of John Wick custom-made uh, guns. But the reason I want it is because John Wick never ran out of ammo. So... <laughs> it would be pretty awesome to have those. He could have just had John Wayne's six-shooter, and not, never, not ever, because he never ran out either. Have a great day. All right, Kevin, thank you. Please don't sing. Um, but, you know, I, I, I know they have some great theme music, but What please. was that movie he was describing? Which one, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly? No, the one that he was singing to. Good. That's the good and the bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. It Nobody has said Westworld. No, 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 nobody said that. Is that your favorite? No, or besides huh? Brokeback no, Mountain. I just I got to thinking maybe he was talking about that one because there was some kind of weird music in that movie too. All right, let me With go to Yule Steve Brenner. Remember that? Oh yeah, Steve. Good morning. Morning. Uh, best Western movie: Tom Horn. It has Steve McQueen, it has Linda Evans, it has Richard Farnsworth. That's always been my favorite. Wow, just having Linda Evans. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that does it. All right, good. Steve, thank you. Glad to have you on Gary and Guns. There are a whole bunch of movies that I completely forgot about, guys. Uh, well, that something that I haven't seen. I'm going to have to go back and look. Yeah. Hey, I just got a message from my wife. She said she's listening, and if I got her that gun for her birthday... I'm going to need to invest in some body armor. <laughs> so it's a twofer. Two kids. Maybe, I'll buy, maybe I'll buy two so I can shoot back. Yeah. Steve, good morning. You got a favorite Western? Good morning, yeah. Uh, the Cowboys. And I tell you, my favorite show, weekly show, used to be, I watch it all, or listen to it now, uh, Gunsmoke. Yeah, that was yep. that went on forever, didn't it? It started in radio, then it made it to TV, and twenty some odd years on TV. Wow. Yep. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Steve. Glad to have you on uh, Gary on Guns. We're getting. You can go to GaryNolan.com, dot com too. Uh, I got a message from Michael. He said, uh, "I just turned. He just tuned in, Brian. He missed the first hour of the show. I already sent him a a bill. Did you? Yeah. All right." The Unforgiven was his favorite Western, and a Smith & Wesson 686 in the uh, firearm uh, that he's jonesing for, is the firearm he's jonesing for. Good morning, fellas. My favorite Western writes, James, they call me Trinity, is at the top of my list. As far as the weapon I'm most jonesing for, Weatherby Laser, uh, laser Mark in uh, 3378. Uh, Alan, favorite Western, The Long Riders, Open Range, and The Outlaw, Josie, Rail, uh, Josie Wales, in that order. Let's get one more on this, and then we've got to get to some serious topics. We can't be having fun. This is radio. Uh, Mitchell, what's your favorite Western? Oh, good morning. Love the topic. Uh, my favorite Western, Jeremiah Johnson. 
that honking. Uh, he talks about it all the way through there. I, I love that. Love that movie. Uh, all right. And, and my favorite gun uh, is a two-part. Uh, first off, it's the it's the shotgun that when I was young, I was stupid enough to get rid of that my dad gave to me. I want that gun back. And uh, But I'm more like you, Gary. Uh, went out to the desert. One of these places got to shoot a fully auto. I don't care who makes it or what happens, but I got to shoot a fully auto uh, shotgun. Um, had a big drum on the bottom of it. I don't a even remember how much. full auto shotgun? Dude, oh. dude I... I, I I pulled on it. Go ahead. And uh, it had a drum on the bottom, and I pulled on it. I don't even remember how many shots were in it, um, but I know when I got done with that, I was so happy. Uh, I think I went back <laughs> to the uh, hotel and made vigorous love to my wife after. <laughs> uh, All right. I, and I've never forgotten it. Thank I you for the show this morning. Thanks, Mitchell. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. <laughs> oh, boy. We got a, a different type of gun safe we're going to talk about and uh, some other, well, rather intriguing legal questions. But then we've got the legal beagle with us, Dale Roberts. It's Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. I am joined by Dale Roberts. He is, And by the way, did you just get some kind of accreditation from the state? Uh, I've actually had it for quite a while. I may have updated my LinkedIn or something to reflect that. Huh. I, th- I thought you, there was something new that you were, some field of expertise that you had been. I, I, You know, I'm certified by the Missouri Department of Public Safety as a specialist instructor in, I think, eight different disciplines. And one of them's, you know, firearms instruction, law enforcement, firearms law. Um, but I've had that for a while. But, yes, I, I, I may have added that or changed something on one of my pages so that it shows up now. I, I never know. That's what we know about you. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. And then, uh, of course, Chuck Basie is on board. Second Amendment supporter, former state representative. And, boy, it would just be great if he could just get in office, like, in the Senate. Uh, anyway, we'll see what happens. You're, in the meantime... You're pimping him over this discussion we had during the break. It's, it's a shame the audience doesn't get to hear all the things we discuss during the break. Sometimes it's a shame. Sometimes it's good. <laughs> yeah, they don't yeah. hear. More often than not, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so you say. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about the Supreme Court case that could support the Second Amendment that has gone unnoticed. This is the uh, National Marine Fisheries Service. So I think it's unnoticed by the Second Amendment crowd. Obviously, yeah. the you know some other folks are watching it. And it's actually a case that... De- as you said, I mean, in a nutshell, um, they're fishermen in Maine or someplace, and the a government agency has said, you have to have a monitor, a government monitor on your boat to keep up and keep track of what you're doing, and you have to pay a salary. It costs them, I think, 700 and something dollars a day to be monitored. So they've brought this lawsuit, but the, but the interesting issue uh, there was a Supreme Court case in 1984. It's, everybody refers to it as just the Chevron case. And in a nutshell, you know, the holding of the Supreme Court in 84 in the Chevron case was that if a case goes to court and it involves a decision or some action from an administrative agency, and we know there are hundreds of administrative agencies, uh, the court should just defer to the administrative agency and sort of assume they're probably right. I mean, they're the specialists when it comes to, you know, environmental protection and 
consumer banking, whatever it is, they're the experts. So unless what they do is just egregiously wrong and unconstitutional, defer to them and go, yeah, it's an administrative agency. They're right. That's like going to court against yourself. I mean, you, you don't have any choice. You, you don't have a chance. Right. And, of course, there are many of us who believe, while that may have been, have had its place in 84, the doctrine, like many things, has grown a great deal in, in all these years. And it's some of us believe it's gotten to the point where, as we were just saying, you know, you go to court, it's an administrative agency, the court will just take the shortcut and go, well, Chevron doctrine, they know what they're doing. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna change it. So, this it's the Loper case involving these fishermen is challenging the Chevron doctrine. And in an EPA case last year, the U.S. Supreme Court issued a decision that really called into question the validity, the importance, the breadth of the Chevron doctrine. And Justice Thomas and I think Justice Gorsuch have been somewhat outspoken about how they feel about it, which is to say it should die or be changed. So a lot of folks are looking at this fisheries case, the Loper case that's coming up this year, and I've probably argued soon, saying, you know, there's a good chance the Supremes will, you know, eliminate the Chevron doctrine or limit it considerably. And what administrative agency would we like to see that affect? Ooh. The ATF. And again, you know, AT, issue goes to court, courts look at the ATF, look at the case and go, well, they're the experts. We don't have, you know, subject matter knowledge on these things. We should defer to the ATF. And that may change drastically from, you know, the outcome of this case involving these poor fishermen up in Maine. It'll be interesting to watch, and uh, we keep our fingers uh, crossed that... Somewhere along the line, we can un unplug a lot of these bureaucracies Amen. that uh, the government considers to be experts. Let me go to the phones here. Brian, a public service announcement? I think he's looking for the sales department, perhaps. But they're off today. Well, that's why I put you on. Cause... All right, well, I'll, 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 I'll straighten him out. Okay. Brad, welcome. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. What, what's, what's going on here? Well, first, I want to tell you thank you for allowing me to come on the show. Um, my name is Brad. I'm with the Police Foundation of Hallsville. We're holding our third annual um, Bruise and Barbecue uh, October 14th um, in Hallsville at the Lamone Building. Um, doors open at 530. Um, we're raising funds for uh, youth um, within the Hallsville community, different programs that we donate to. Um, we've done many different things as far as donating to programs, everything. Um, we have barbecue. Obviously. All right, Brad, Brad, you're going to have to hang on, uh, because I've got to straighten you out on this. You got to go to the sales department. <laughs> so if you'll hang on when we come back, we'll chat a little bit about this. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. Hang on. Do you see how he buttered me up? Thank you for having how me. I did that. Yeah. 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 Uh, we're not going to, we're not going to fall for it. It's Gary on Guns. Good morning. Welcome. Glad to have you with us. It is Gary on Guns, and Chuck Basie is in, along with Dale Roberts. Uh, Dale, of course, an attorney, MoGunLaw.com, and uh, Chuck is a Second Amendment supporter, former state legislator. Brad called in the program, and 
right away tried to butter me up so that I would give him some airtime to promote this event in Hallsville. And I need to set him straight. Uh, so, Brad, uh, this event of yours that's going to happen when? Uh, October 14th. October 14th. Uh, so if somebody wanted to go to this event on October 14th, where would they show up? Um, it's going to be at the Limon building in Hallsville. And any time of the day, or do they have to wait till 5 o'clock? Uh, doors open at 5.30. 5.30. All right, so here's here's what happens. You call the sales department, and you say, we'd like to buy an ad that says that on what date? October, October 14th. 14th. October 14th at what location? Um, the Lamone Billing in Hallsville. At what time? At 5.30. That uh, these people can come in and uh, support this event because the the proceeds are going to support what? Kids? Kids, um, city of Hallsville, just many different uh, factors within the city. And then they would record this and it would play several times and then people would know about the event. But you just called in, and I can't give you any airtime. I can't promote this event uh, because it's taking money from the sales department. It's it's taking food off their table. Gary? Yeah? So if he does that, does he also need to tell about the prizes and raffles they have? Because last year they had uh, some Well, let's not mislead them with last year. You can tie that Uh, in in the ad. Yeah, it's got 60 seconds in, uh, in an ad. And then, uh, Brad, you could say, this is what we have to, to raffle. What what do you have to raffle off? I'm just curious. Um, a Milwaukee-themed Glock, a Nintendo-themed Glock, a um, uh, Resolute M- Mark IV, Ooh. a Sig Sauer 365, um, numerous signed Kansas City Chiefs items, um, numerous, numerous, numerous gift cards, um, gift certificates, um, purse snatcher. That was Garson's uh, favorite last year. Um, <laughs> the, the, there's a money machine raffle. Um, we're rifling off a scope. Um, I'm all right, all right. So, this, so there's all kinds of great things that you're going to be raffling off in this thing. It's all great for a great charity in Hallsville, but... You know, all that time, it's going to take a while. I'm going to get hungry. It'd be nice if there was some food there. Barbecue? There's Brad, barbecue. Brad, are you with us here? Help me, Brad. Is there going to be food served? We must yes. have lost yes, there he is. we have barbecue um, that will be catered <laughs> in. <laughs> oh, Brad, I don't want to send you for uh, blood or bullets. You're a little... A little slow here. All right. So if if they want to show up at this event, it's a great charity. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, there's going to be food, all kinds of great things raffled off. I don't see how you can go wrong on this. But unfortunately, we can't uh, yeah. put any of that information on the air. We can't air it. I personally would be interested if, if I could just remember where it was at. I lost you in, I lost you in service there. Can you repeat that again? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can say that you can pre-buy uh, tickets, a table, $200, single seat, $35, calling the Hallsville uh, City Hall, and the phone number is 572-682-4584. 573, isn't it? 573, yeah, I think I said uh, Yes, sir. Wrong. 
Um, Before the night of the event, tickets were $200 for a table of six, um, $35 for single tickets. The night of the event, tables are $220, again, for a table of six, or single seats for $40. Um, You can also call um, Kenyatta at 573-682-4584. Is there a website that they can go to? Um, The Facebook page, Police Foundation of Hallsville. Police Foundation of Hallsville on Facebook. And then they can get all that information. It'd be hard to cram it into a 60-second spot, but that's the only way anybody's going to hear about it, Brad. I'm sorry. No, I appreciate it. I'll give them a call first thing Monday morning. That's good. That's good, Brad. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. I'll make sure that they know where the commission goes. Yeah, because, you know, I get a bird dog fee, don't I? If I no, you don't get any of it. I don't get it. Who, uh-uh. who gets the money if, if Chuck Chuck gets the money? Chuck, Chuck. gets it this time. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, he's got a you know his wife's birthday is coming up. He needs to be buying some nice things. Well, he came up Mag. with an idea, and she, you'll pardon the expression, shot him down. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So that that's probably not going to happen. On uh, the gun you're most jonesing for but don't have, a uh, question that we asked earlier today. Also asked your favorite Western. Brad sent me a message. Breech loader, sharps, little big man. Uh, those are his, wow. uh, what he's jonesing for. Favorite <laughs> Western writes Alan, uh, the Long Riders, Open Range, and the Outlaw Josie Wales in that order. I think I already did that one. Uh, 874-9390, toll-free numbers, 800-529-5572. We've got a lot of ground to cover, not a lot of time to do it in. Grisham goes to court to defend revised carry ban. This is this is the, the governor in Arizona, or I'm sorry, New Mexico, who decided, well, we're just going to suspend uh, the rights of Second Amendment uh, permit uh, carriers, uh, permit-holding gun carriers, uh, to carry in, in the city. And she really got lambasted. I mean, the media everywhere was covering it. She was so upset, she wanted to, she wanted to suspend the First Amendment, too. <laughs> but it, why would she be going to court? I mean, it's already decided, isn't it? Dale? So, yeah, the, <clears throat> the, the judge, along with all the members of her own party, said you, can, you cannot just suspend the Constitution uh, because you think it, it's a problem. Um, so she's, just, at first she completely backed off, and now she's kind of uh, recharged her energy and said, well, in that case, I want to, all I want to do is restrict where you can exercise your constitutional rights. Um, you know, I want to I want to issue an order that says you can't, or she may have already issued it. You know, you can't carry a gun in any public park on any public property, things of that sort. And of course, you know, that co- that can, literally and figuratively speaking covers a lot of ground, um, and it means people can't defend themselves at the park, and certainly in Columbia, that that would be a problem. Uh, the concern is the judge that's hearing the case, the federal court judge that's hearing the case, has sort of hinted that, well, maybe that's okay. Um, you know, there there weren't any, 
I don't know how to say this without the negative, but, you know, it's sort of like, well, there weren't uh, established rights to carry guns in parks in 1791, which is what Bruin says we should look at. And the response is, there really weren't a lot of public parks in 1791. So I don't think that's the proper test. Um, but she she's not backing off, at least not by much. She, she wants to prohibit guns in parks and a few other, in quotes, sensitive places. So we're back at it again. They, they never, ever stop with the stupidity. I want to talk about HOAs. And I'll and I'll do that in a minute. You may not think it's gun related, but it is. Gary on guns. Welcome, glad to have you with us, and glad to have Chuck Basie on board with us and Dale Roberts, MoGunLaw.com. There are people who move into neighborhoods, and I've done this. They've got a homeowners association, and they come up with all kinds of goofy rules. I don't know about you guys, but I hate HOAs. Yep. Uh, and I know Brian is not a big fan of them either. My producer. Uh, you've had a run-in or two with an HOA. I certainly have, yes. Uh, it doesn't bother Chuck because he lives in the middle of nowhere. But they sometimes come up with crazy rules. And there is a guy who apparently said, he said, he said our homeowners association is considering banning guns everywhere in the community, including in the residents' homes. Many of the residents are upset about this, while others are in favor of it. Is is the association even able to enact that kind of rule? And I'm kind of a mixed mind of this, although we do have a, an attorney on board. We'll, we'll kind of kick it around. I don't. Well, you know, no. I just I just now made up my mind. No, I don't think they have the right to do this. If you move in, and the law's already there, the rules already there. Then I think you can have you can have your hands tied, but I don't see how they could take away your Second Amendment rights willy nilly after you've been there for a while. Dale, what do you think? I do not think they can do so, and for several. And I live in a in a new subdivision, and we have a an HOA, um, and it's not too bad. I mean, it keeps people from leaving a broken down car up on blocks in their front yard okay that's good um but two things first of all our hoa document says uh you cannot have any signs in your yard except for for a for sale sign and there's a state law that says that was written for exactly this reason there's a state law that says hoas cannot stop you from putting political signs in your yard and then there's uh, another provision in our HOA that says you can't, you know, you have to get permission for a satellite dish and all these things you can and can't do. Well, I'm sorry, there's a federal law that says you can't restrict someone's, that's a sort of a free speech issue, you can't restrict someone on their satellite dish and communications. And as far as enacting a new rule, you know, there... I, Every once in a while, once or twice a year, see something about an HOA that tells someone you can't put up a flagpole. You know, that, that looks tacky. And the courts strike it down and say, I'm sorry, if they want to put up the American flag, it's a free speech issue. You can't stop them. Um, so I'd be shocked to see a court uphold an HOA ban on firearms. Um, 
obviously, you know, whatever their bylaws say, 50% or two-thirds, the members have to vote on it, and the majority of them would have to pass that new provision, but I can't imagine a court upholding that. Yeah, and I wouldn't, like, be the one to publicly announce I'm violating that rule. They right. might find out if somebody breaks into the house and I'm home, but otherwise <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not broadcasting that. Exactly. Uh, but what if they build a condominium complex and they say no guns allowed? Would that be constitutional? Would that be legal? Ah. If it starts right from the get-go, when you sign on, you know you can't bring a firearm onto the property. It's a lot closer question, and I, you know, there's a possibility they could uphold, you know, uphold, the court might uphold it on the grounds you just said. Like, well, Dale, when you bought the condo, you were given the rules, you knew that this was going to be a prohibition, and you agreed to it. Um, there you are. But, and, and of course, I should qualify some of this that when I say, I don't, you know, I don't think a court would uphold the prohibition of an HOA, you know, a new prohibition. We learned in law school, uh, you know, friends who, well, depends on who the judge is. And there are judges out there, as we've said earlier this morning, uh, who don't necessarily follow what the Supreme Court has said in Bruin. They try to make the law what they want it to be. So that adds another layer to it. Yeah, I, I, not that I would ever move. In fact, that's that is it. I would never move into uh, a, a house or home where an HOA said these are the rules. You cannot own a firearm. In fact, I would think that would be the most dangerous place in the city to live. Yeah, shooting fish in a barrel. And yeah. When I built my house, I don't know, six years ago, my poor realtor, she's a sweetheart. Everywhere I looked. The first thing I would say is, okay, that's a nice-looking subdivision. Get me a copy of their covenants and restrictions. And I'd read them and go, oh, I'm not building there. Um, and, you know, so many people don't know to ask that. They move in. At closing, they sign something that says you agree to this stuff, and they don't read what they're signing. And then all of a sudden they're told you can't do something. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times. I've gotten uh, one of those disclaimers that I have to sign, and I never read them. Yeah. They're miles long. Sure. Uh, you get a smartphone, and you agree to, and it's, uh, you know, or it's updated, and you agree to, and nobody reads the damn thing. Uh, they could be saying, you, you have to give up your firstborn male child. I wouldn't even know. And I get it. I mean, you, you know. But you attorneys, you're, you're causing the problem. Well, it's job security. It's <laughs> job security. All right. Uh, one of the other things that you are covering, Fifth Circuit gives DOJ ATF small gift and a big warning on frame and receiver rule. So that's basically the same thing we were talking about with the pistol brace, um, where the court is kind of, uh, I don't know if I should say backpedaled, but, you know, the court is saying, okay, we're not going to enjoin this rule nationally, but you certainly can't impose it against the people who are plaintiffs in this case. Um, but and, and the court has pretty clearly said, we don't think, to the government, we don't think you're going to succeed on the merits 
because the final rule is contrary to the law, but, you know, we'll limit our temporary, you know, the injunction that's in place now and wait to see what comes out in court. And I don't think there's any doubt uh, what's going to happen in court. They're going to find the frame receiver rule unconstitutional as they have done with the pistol brace and countless other restrictions that didn't show up until 1968, more or less. Um, and it's, you know, it's going to end up at the Supreme Court. I, I think Bruin is going to be the undoing of the ATF. It's just going to take some time, and it's going to have to be little steps, baby steps, and it's going to infuriate the left even more. I think that's going to just drive them crazy. This, it, In fact, Bruin has already driven them crazy. Oh, yes. Uh, and and they've, they keep nudging, pushing, punching, looking for any hole they can find. And instead of trying to... You know, look at this and go, okay, what is the solution to the violence in our streets? They keep going back to the things that didn't work in the past, which is, well, we'll just pass the law because criminals will have to obey. And then, you know, when uh, plaintiffs keep winning, you know, in New York recently, after the uh, Bruin case, the state of New York was ordered to pay the NRA, reimburse them for their legal fees to the tune of about $447,000. And it's nice that the plaintiff, the NRA, gets their money back. And it's nice that the violators get punished and having to pay that, except that's my money. I mean, that's taxpayers' money. We're funding the efforts to take away our rights. Well, you would, you would think that when it costs them that kind of money, they go, yeah, maybe we ought not do that again. But no, they will not stop because, well, they use taxation. They can force people to replenish the coffers. The uh, National Rifle Association is making fun of the gun violence prevention, uh, his, the Office of Gun Violence Prevention. Uh, they are suggesting it's the federal office to disarm law-abiding Americans and defeat the NRA. This is going to be using your tax dollars... To come up with specious arguments to support gun control. And it is my hope that whoever the next president is, and hopefully it is not Joe Biden, defunds this thing. In fact, the Republican candidates who are most likely to win should be saying, don't take the job because when I get in there, you're out of money. Chuck Basie, thank you for being with us. Dale Roberts, thank you for being with us. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. And Gwen, baby, honey, I'm coming to see you.